What up, world? Welcome back to another Locked On Blazers. I am your past first point guard and Blazers beat writer, Mike Richmond. Welcome to a beautiful Monday morning where the Blazers will take on the Minnesota Timberwolves this evening at the Target Center. I want to talk a little bit about that game. I want to talk a little bit about what we've learned in the uh, post-Yusuf Nurkic era, and I want to take a look at the rest of the NBA standings because I think some important things have happened as we get down to the final two weeks of the regular season. About six or seven games left for every team left in the league. But before we get there, let's start with a truly bizarre game Saturday night. Um, since I last talked to you guys, the Blazers beat a Hawks team that didn't put up much fight. Uh, kind of surprisingly, I thought that was going to be a tougher game in Atlanta than it turned out to be, but the Hawks just weren't very good. And then second night of a back-to-back after the Blazers really handled the Hawks, blew, straight up blew them out. They lost. The Portland went into Detroit, second night of a back-to-back Saturday night, in beautiful Little Caesars Arena, and they lost. 99-90 to the Pistons. Hard game to read, quite honestly. Um, I'm not... I, maybe the Blazers were due for a game like this, but uh, they were playing the Pistons without Blake Griffin. Uh, the Pistons without Blake Griffin are not a very good team, and yet the Blazers did what they've done, kind of... Uh, over the last few years against the Pistons, which has let the combination of Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond really just destroy them. Uh, But the Blazers lost this game basically because the Pistons missed their first 13 shots and didn't make a three-pointer until the second half. And the Blazers only scored 14 points and only led by three at the end of the first quarter. Like, they could have pulled away. This one could have maybe not been over, but the Blazers could have been in complete control, up double digits, and cruising, uh, Portland never really found its offense ever in this one. Uh, I guess Ennis Cantor had a pretty good game. If you're into those, if you're into counting stats, uh, twenty and fifteen, his best counting numbers as a Blazer. But I didn't think he was particularly good. Uh, Damian Lillard really struggled in that one. Eight for twenty-five from the field. Uh, he he just he just had a as the Blazers had an off night he had an off night too, uh, you know they didn't crack the thirty point mark until the till the fourth quarter, um, they only gave up thir- it was thirty four thirty one at halftime guys like, um, that it was as as gross and bizarre a game as you'll see, uh, but I, like I said I'm I'm not sure that there's a lot to take away from this game. Uh, the Blazers just didn't play well. It's schedule-wise, it was the second night of a of a of a back-to-back third game and in four nights on a road trip. Uh, you're gonna just have clunkers in the league. I think this was a clunker. I think it's maybe more meaningful because it was the first time in the CJ-less, Nurkless Blazers that we've seen them really kind of need another option on offense. Uh, they just didn't have it. You know, as good as Cantor was. Uh, he didn't exactly hold Drummond off the boards, who finished with 19 rebounds. You know, Cantor was good. I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, I, I've hated on Cantor a few times, but this, you know, this wasn't a dominant performance by him. And this was just, I think, the first game where you really saw, like, uh, the Blazers needed one of those sort of CJ bailout games where he goes off for 19 and a quarter or something, kind of saves the day. They didn't have this. This wasn't the day that Seth Curry went nuts. He only had 11 on 5 of 11 shooting. Evan Turner continues to be a non-factor. Rodney Hood wasn't very loud off the bench. Jake Lehman probably played pretty well. And if you're uh, just looking at the box score, the really fun thing that stands out is how Farouk Amina went 0 for 9. But like I said, I'm not taking away a ton from this game. I don't think this is 
I just don't think this is a super meaningful performance. I think this is probably a, a tough loss as the Blazers uh, were angling or looking like they could still finish third in the West. And this was a certainly a winnable game when Blake Griffin, he went out for warmups and I think the Pistons were expecting him to try to give it a go and he wasn't, he wasn't able to, ruled out just before tip-off. Uh, so I think, you, you know, you look at this and you think it, this is probably a win, but like I said, in, in one of 82 games, you're going to have some real stinkers. This was an absolute stinker from the Blazers. Four for 21 from three, uh, season low four made three pointers. Just, just a rough one. Um, but they do close out that road trip on Monday against the T-Wolves. So they've won two out of three against this would be the fourth meeting. Um, you know, early in the year, they, the, the Blazers, I believe it was November, could have been December, but early on, uh, Blazers kind of got punked in Minneapolis, uh, as the, as while Minnesota was sort of in the, the throes of the post Jimmy Butler world. Um, they got, they got beat up a little bit. You know, that. Uh, the Blazers have traditionally uh, in tonight's game, I think is important because the Blazers have traditionally struggled against Carl Anthony towns. And unlike a lot of the sort of bottom feeding teams in the Western conference, the, uh, the T wolves are not tanking. They're going to play their guys. Uh, they, they're dealing with a ton of injuries. No Jeff Teague, no Derek Rose, no Robert Covington, who hasn't played in a while. Taj Gibson may or may not play. Hasn't played in the last couple. Um, but you know, Wiggins is going to play and, and, and towns is going to play. So, uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna play their best players at least their best healthy players that the, the T Wolves aren't gonna rest guys they're not they're not in full on tank mode and I think traditionally the Blazers have struggled a little bit against Carl Anthony Towns they just don't have a great guy to defend him uh, they usually use Aminu on him but Towns is just a little stronger than Aminu it it really it kind of like Blake Griffin does but obviously he didn't play Pistons but Towns is like one of the few power forwards that that Aminu just he just isn't strong enough to really to really hang with. Even if he guards him well, he just gets overwhelmed a handful of times. And Towns is really good. He gets, he, he gets his points. He's, um, he's one of those guys that if the team was a little better, he'd probably be a deadlock for one of the all NBA teams. Um, and he certainly has that, uh, super max dangling in front of him, much like Damian Lillard to touch on that very briefly. And I want to talk about that more later. I think that's more of a question that we'll get in the off season and more of a question that, uh, I'd like to, to visit, once I get a chance to talk to Dame a little bit about it, but uh, he is is almost certainly going to make an all-star team or an all-NBA team, excuse me, this offseason, which would trigger his chance to sign a Supermax deal. So uh, this is, this is an, it'll be an option for Dame and we'll talk about the future, but here you go. Two guys on Monday night with Towns and uh, Lillard, who are both um, sort of on that trajectory to have a chance to sign a 200 plus million dollar contract uh, a fun little thing to watch at the end of an NBA t- season where plenty of players have already packed it in and other players are Devin Bookering. And by that, I mean packing in the stats in these last couple weeks. Uh, but for the Blazers, it's not really about stats. It's about maintaining their position in the Western Conference. Uh, this game is po- important mostly for that positioning in the Western Conference. Um, and I'll talk a little bit in the third segment about sort of what is going on in the rest of the West. I think there was a... Uh, couple big things tonight that happened that may impact the Blazers down the road. Uh, in the second segment, I want to talk a little, a little bit about what we've learned in the three post-Nurk games since the use of Nurkic's injury. I want to talk about what uh, what the Blazers have looked like, what you can expect, and uh, moving forward from, from the sm- very small sample sizes we have. But before we get there, I want to remind you, as always, when you hop in your car, tell your smart device, play 
Podcast Lockdown Blazers. Improve your ride, improve your day. Also, while you're at it, you can find Lockdown Blazers and all the Lockdown podcasts across the network on the Himalaya app as well as Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. We're all there. Welcome back to a wonderful second segment. First segment, we talked a little bit about that messed up Pistons game, just a, a, a game where two teams combined to score less than 70 points in the first half. A cool NCAA tournament tribute on Saturday night in Detroit. Um, but it was game three of the Blazers era without use of Nurkic. And I want to talk a little bit about what we've seen, kind of what the function of this team, the sort of nuts and bolts of what of what post-Nurkic life has looked like. I think as expected, um, Ennis Cantor has slid into that role and the starting lineup has kind of been fine. They haven't played the best teams in the league by any means, um, but they've won some games. And, uh, and and that starting group has been fine with with Lehman and Cantor sliding in there for for CJ and Yusuf Nurkic, um, you know Cantor's he hasn't he's he's not playing a ton a ton a ton of minutes, um, he's not exactly racking up the sort of Nurk level minutes he's playing twenty seven Nurk was playing a, a couple more than that, but you know that's he's kind of soaked up those minutes. Uh, most of the backup minutes, I think, as expected, he is mostly going to Zach Collins. He's playing about 19 a game, and and then the the sort of bit part backup center role has gone to Myers Leonard, who's playing about 11 minutes a night. Those numbers are a little bit skewed because of garbage time. Um, I think they might look a little bit different if the Blazers didn't play a couple garbage time games, but you know. That's that's kind of how it works, and like I said, we're dealing with a small sample size, so sometimes in the small sample size, you get results like that. But I think for me, the biggest takeaway is, obviously, we talked about how the Bulls are like a G League team, or were a G League team that night, uh, and the Hawks just didn't play very well in that that win in Atlanta, but some of the credit has to go to the Blazers, certainly, for that. But um, I, I think the big takeaway for me is just sort of perusing the lineup data and also just kind of watching. Um, Zach Collins as the only center when the Blazers go small hasn't worked out great. Uh, I think that's kind of been a concern for the Blazers for most of Zach's tenure is that he's not quite strong enough to play center for big, long stretches. Um, He can do it against certain matchups and he can bring energy that's really valuable, but just trusting him as a straight up five is not something they want to do. And I don't think these three games have changed my opinion of that, certainly. He's been better in um, in his minutes next to Myers Leonard, just in the straight-up bench mob. Uh, and I, I think that's for obvious reasons. Myers is stronger um, and, and just just a, a broader body who can, who can check fives. Uh, it allows Zach to play on fours and also play a little more... Um, as a helper, uh, if, if teams play four out, he can he can leave his man and kind of play that help a little sweeper, help defense a little bit in some in some situations. Uh, he's been better as a power forward, and I think I think that's like one of the big issues for me moving forward with this team is that he probably right now at age twenty one in season two of his career, you know, the end of of the second season, he's just more of a of a of a bigger power forward than he is a center right now. Um, and I think a lot of people thought maybe, hey, just let's throw him, throw him into the starting lineup and see if he he's ready. Uh, I I think that's a tough matchup. I don't think that's his best spot right now. And for me, that's the most important thing. I think we've learned in three games without Yusuf Nurkic is that Zach Collins at this stage is mostly a, still a power forward. 
Also, one interesting thing, and I think this is just a function of the way Terry Stotts runs his his normal rotation, is that generally speaking, uh, the two bigs who start play together, and then he plays two bigs off the bench, and their minutes are paired. We've seen that for the better part of three years, but if you just think about earlier this or last season, it was Zach and Ed came off the bench together and played most of their minutes together, which meant Chief and Nurk played their minutes together. When Nurk was healthy, Zach was getting most of his minutes alongside Ennis Cantor, um, and that has gone away because of the the function of of the way sort of Stutz runs his 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 minutes for his bigs is that now we have seen very little, I believe, five total minutes of them together in three games. Um, of the Cantor and and Collins lineup, which has been pretty effective. We might see more of that, but um, I don't think that it's... I think it'll be more matchup-based as we get um, into the playoffs. I don't think we'll see a lot of it more in the regular season, just because Terry Stotts likes Alfred Rukaminu. He's, a at this stage in his career, better than Zach Collins is, so just playing him more minutes and letting him get those starter minutes is a big deal. And like I said, Collins, has, Collins at the straight-up five just hasn't been great. Um, Collins has played more minutes with Myers Leonard uh, because that's, again, like I said, the way that big man rotation works. And for me, that's the biggest takeaway. Um, I don't know that we've learned much else. I guess we've learned that Seth Curry's pretty good and can, and I've talked about this before, he can kind of soak up some of what CJ does. Uh, as I'm legally obligated to say at this section, he is a reasonable facsimile. What CJ provides, uh, Rodney Hood was good until that Detroit game. You know, they've the, the sort of bench group has been fine. Everything's, we, we haven't, the competition hasn't been such, and the games we haven't seen, uh, we haven't seen like enough games to really make a thing, uh, make big sweeping statements. But I do think we have learned a little bit about Zach Collins. Or for me, at least in the three games, I feel like I've learned a little bit about Zach Collins um, and him as, and, and sort of where he fits in, in the pecking order. Um, and I think unsurprising to most people who follow this team, Myers Leonard is still like a 12 to 14 minute a night guy, two seven minute shifts and not much more. He's not, um, he's not one of Terry Stotts' favorites and uh, he still isn't. There's nothing has really changed even post-injury. Uh, I want to take a, another quick break and in the uh, third segment we will talk Quick look around the league, and I think there was an important game tonight that may affect the Blazers in the final week of the regular season. All right, welcome back. Still Mike Richmond, still locked on Blazers. Um, a, a strange night in the NBA. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs lost at home to the Kings. OKC lost at home to the Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers won because the Clippers just won't die. They beat Memphis at home. But the big game of the night for me, I guess the Warriors won too. They destroyed the Hornets. Um that's to be expected. Though the Warriors are kind of rounding into playoff form. They've finally started to care here in game 76. But uh the big game tonight to me, the 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 really meaningful game tonight to me was the Denver Nuggets lost at home to the Washington Wizards. And here's why I think that's a big deal. Um that loss drops the Nuggets a game back of first place. For the Warriors, those two teams play on Tuesday. That's a really big game. But more importantly, it puts the the Nuggets only a game or two, excuse me, two and a half games ahead of the Rockets with six left to play. So Houston is within striking distance of the, of second place. And here's why I think that could be meaningful for your beloved pinwheels. The Blazers 
close the regular season or their their final games games uh 78 and 79 they have a home and home against uh against denver so they they play at denver and then they come back to portland to 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 close out that season series against them that's on april 5th and 7th next week but i thought um, heading into the stretch that there was a chance that the Nuggets would create a little bit of separation or enough separation to not have to uh, worry necessarily about those games is that they would pretty much have the second seed locked up and they could start resting guys. Not that they're going to rest everybody, but you know they could, they could shut down a handful of people, particularly Paul Millsap is the name I'm looking at, but give Millsap a night off, maybe even give Jokic a night off just to rest him for the playoffs because he's going to have to play big heavy minutes with teams going at him nonstop. But now after a troubling loss to the, the Wizards, in which Nikola Jokic got kicked out, ejected for the second time in two weeks, an unhappy Joker, or Big Honey, one of the great nicknames in the league. <laughs> I feel like he doesn't get called Big Honey enough. He should. Well, so we'll call him Big Honey a bunch on this podcast. But I thought the, that the Nuggets might punt those two games, uh, particularly the one in, in Portland, which would give uh, the Blazers a chance to maybe close out the season at 5-1 uh, and one in these final six games. Now I'm not so sure. I don't... I'm, I don't I'm, I think the Nuggets, because of particularly if they lose on Tuesday night to the Warriors and find themselves two back of first place, but only a game and a half ahead of the Rockets, I think there's an outside chance that the Nuggets will have to just play out a bunch of those games. That they'll have to that those games will both be meaningful and those could be tough losses and if or just at least tough matchups um, for the Blazers, which would. Uh, which could possibly push Portland down in the standings. So I think just if you're looking at sort of meaningful games on the schedule, I think, I guess if you're a Blazer fan, that it would be better if the Nuggets went ahead and beat the Warriors and tied for first place and then maybe decided that seeding didn't matter. But in any case, I think tonight's loss to the Wizards, regardless of how they play that game or how they view first or second, because it's it's hard for me to tell what... Um, what Denver wants. I don't think either of those teams are going to catch the Bucks for home court advantage throughout the playoffs. And I, I, I generally don't think the Nuggets are thinking about home court advantage in the finals the way the Warriors might be. But I think that, uh, I think the loss tonight by the Nuggets makes that, uh, makes those two later meetings really important for, uh, for Denver and, 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 and in turn for the Blazers because they're going to play them. Um, and, they're going to play them straight up. They're going to play them tough. Uh, the Rockets, uh, they close out with, you know, if you're looking sort of them and where they're going to be chasing the second seed and whether also if the Blazers can catch them for third, they have games, they close out the season at Sacramento and at the Clippers. And then they have home games against the Knicks and Suns. You can pretty much rack those up as wins um, and a 50-point game for Booker. And then they're at... Uh, you know, you know, Devin Booker's going to score fifteen in a loss against the Rockets. So I book it. Um, Rockets close out the season at Oklahoma City. Uh, it's unclear if that game will be meaningful to the Rockets, but we will get there and talk about it if it is. But um, it's going to be fun. Last six games, I think. I think seeding is going to be important. Um, and you know that I think that if the if the Blazers are going to have a chance, that finishing three or four is really crucial for them. Um, 
it it might shake out. You know, there's a lot lot of lot can happen with the way how crowded the the, the West is, but it might shake out that the Blazers get uh, end up four or five with the Clippers. Um, I think that would be a fairly favorable matchup or as favorable a matchup as they could hope for. We will talk more about specific playoff matchups a little bit later, but uh, that's my scoreboard watching segment for you. Uh, the Wizards. The Wizards really doing it to, to Big Honey and the Nuggets and making for some um, interesting final two weeks of the basketball season. I think that's a, I think that's a fun one. Uh, and and I always kind of thought that those two uh, Blazers-Nuggets games would be meaningful. I think they're meaningful in different ways than I had uh, originally envisioned because the Nuggets are a little better than I thought they would be. And obviously the Blazers' health situation puts them in a strange spot. But uh, I think... Um, I. Th- I think, you know, the end of next week, those games against the Nuggets probably are going to be um, as tough as the Blazers have the rest of the regular season. Um, Obviously, tonight against Minnesota is an important one for them to win just because uh, the West is so dang close. And any loss, they will be slipping further and further away from home court, even though they do have a a small cushion over the Clippers and Jazz as of Sunday evening when I'm recording this this bad boy. But I thank you guys for listening to me. Uh, I will talk to you on Tuesday morning following the Thunder game, or the, excuse me, the T-Wolves game, and prior to the brief one-game home home game against Memphis, which I'll be at on Wednesday night. So look for pods on Tuesday morning and also Thursday morning following that game. Uh, If anything else happens in the Blazer or NBA world that we want to talk about, there could be a couple more this week. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, you can, as always, find this app, or find this podcast on the new podcast app Himalaya. It's a, a great new podcast app where they do have daily curated playlists and they add new features all the time to keep you up to date and keep all your podcasts organized. So head to your app store and download the Himalaya app. Also, we are available on Google Play. We're on the uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Appreciate you guys listening, and I will talk to you real, real soon.